Inside Sources. Inside Sources. America's voice of reason. Boyd Matheson on Utah's home for elevated conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Well, the numbers continue to suggest that the American people are not especially looking forward to the possibility of a rematch between the former president and the current president. And many are saying they are willing to look at something or somewhere else in terms of a vote for president of the United States. And the interesting thing is uh, both sides are up in arms about this. Uh, Democrats and Republicans alike are, are really lashing out at third party groups, at independent groups. Uh, we want to dig into that just a little bit. And someone who's done that in a, in a really big way, Matt uh, Welch, of course, is editor at large at Reason, Reason.com, uh, and actually has a really fascinating piece on third party candidates and the gap that it's creating between President Biden and former President Trump and what those impacts are. So we wanted to dig into that just a little bit. And uh, always great to have Matt on the show. Matt, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. All right. So let's uh, dig into this. Uh, Obviously, the American people are none too thrilled about the possibility of this all playing out. Uh, You've looked at this in the uh, context of what if it's not a two-person race? What if it's a three, four, or five-person race? Uh, What are the numbers telling us? Well, it will be a five-person race, maybe a six-person race, depending on whether no labels decides to get into the the ring um, uh, with someone like Joe Manchin or Chris Christie at the top of their ticket, because they have achieved ballot access in 14, 15 states, and they expect to get 32. Uh, we know the Libertarian Party is going to have 40-something states. RSK is going uh, for 50, uh, the Green Party in the 30s. So most people are going to see five or six names on their ballot, um, which, so what happens then? And uh, now we have enough polling to finally get a little bit of an apples to apples. Just a, it's a snapshot of what things like in, or look like in early February, which is to say everyone is depressed and is reaching <laughs> for their, their bottle of Mallort or whatever. But um, uh, also some of these polls are asking the same set of voters uh, two different questions. One is Trump versus Biden. But then it's Trump versus Biden, plus maybe Jill Stein from the Green Party and RFK as an independent um, uh, or Cornell West, uh, who's going to be an independent kind of progressive on some ballots. Um, and that's pretty interesting. Uh, and what that shows so far is preliminarily, again in February, is that uh, when you start adding a bunch more names on there, the gap between the two major party candidates gets wider, which is to say Trump gains points. Mm. Um, he'll, he gains I think in something like 19 polls that they've taken, Biden has gained in only two of them, and by a little bit, um, or as Trump has gained in 13 of the 19 polls, and they've been tied in a few others. Um, And when you eyeball it, it also begins to make a little bit of sense. And I go into some detail in the piece. What's curious right now uh, in the race is that uh, usually in uh, in major party races and minor party races, there is more... um, uh, vote out there than people usually expect among people who are very anti-war or anti-U.S. Mm. intervention into affairs. You think of Howard Dean, that's how he yeah. vaulted to prominence. Barack Obama did. You could argue that Donald Trump uh, distinguished himself against the Republican field in 2016 by doing that. So um, uh, when you look at the third party field, particularly on the left side, right, Jill Stein and Cornell West, they're basically accusing Joe Biden of genocide, as are a shockingly high number of young 
uh, voters in America. Uh, young yeah. Democrats and Democrats in general are really chagrined at his Gaza policy. So there's room to run against him in that lane over there. And you can bet that in addition to those two candidates, that whoever the Libertarian Party candidate, remember, that's the third biggest party. They've won third place for three consecutive uh, presidential right. elections. Um, uh, that's going to be an anti-interventionist. They don't have anybody who's sort of pro-war on, on that side at all. So um, uh, it says to me that combined with just how old uh, these people are and how, uh, how, how much Americans are just absolutely like gobsmacked that we're having this rematch among the two unpopular old guys, um, there's a lot more um, uh, of a fertile ground for a yeah. third party and independent candidate than we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and I think it's always interesting to to look and you and you pointed this out that a lot of times uh, you see these third party candidates, the Jill Stein, the Cornell West. I do have to give you credit for uh, describing Cornell West finances as notoriously shambolic. Uh, fantastic use of the word. Uh, <laughs> but often we see in these uh, that the American people kind of get to October, they get to that first Tuesday of November. Uh, and suddenly they, they fall into that fear trap of the either or, the false choice, and I don't want to throw my vote away, and I want to vote for the winner, or I want to be against that person because it would be horrible if they got in. And so we end up into this fear space, fear of losing, fear of losing power, uh, that often kind of collapses uh, those middle options or those third, fourth, or fifth options out there. Uh, as you look at it moving forward, uh, and you, you hinted at this, and you really got into this in the piece, uh, in terms of President Biden's path to victory, uh, the the risk for him is far more on the political left than it is even the political center. Yeah, I don't. there isn't a lot of uh, proven popularity in the political center. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, I just want both sides to get together and we just need a <laughs> pragmatic solution to Social Security or whatnot. And I kind of agree with those that crowd about Social Security. Um, and I sometimes agree with their overall tenor. But there's been a lot of people trying to run in that lane or, can't, or think about running in that lane. Mm. Think of Michael Bloomberg. Think of Howard Schultz. Think of Jeff Flake. Yeah. Yeah. And those have been some of the most hated people in America, American politics, uh, over the last seven or eight years. And that's precisely because of what you were pointing out before, the negative polarization. Um, when we're at a time when we're really, really scared about the other guy, of the guy in the other team, those characters who are sort of in the middle of the road are seen as like hopelessly naive, uh, rich and out of touch. Um, I noticed that uh, Joe Manchin now is finally uh, getting polled here and there on some of these uh, polls that include third-party names. And there's no guarantee at all that he'll be the no-labels candidate if they decide to run one, which they're going to decide after Super Tuesday. But they threw him in there against, you know, Bobby Kennedy, everybody else, 3%. And he's a sitting senator. He's someone who has some uh, national notoriety. I'm not sure people are really interested. Right now, um, when they're thrown in polls, Jill Stein and Cornell West are each, are each averaging 2.2%. Mm. That's not much, yeah. but... Add it together, 4.4. We haven't seen a left-of-center, third-party, or independent candidate get 4.4% of the vote in 100 years. Um, So that does mean that it's it's identifying a threat. It doesn't mean that's what's going to happen because, as you point out, um, you know, Basically, whatever the third-party polling is right now, 
uh, with a couple of exceptions. It's not likely to get a whole lot higher. Maybe uh, Bobby Kennedy is a bit of a wild card. He just did mm. a Super Bowl ad, for crying yeah. out loud, and yeah. he's got some name recognition. So maybe he's got some space to grow upwards. But generally, the longer a campaign runs, the more people can be reminded about how bad the other guy is. And then uh, whatever that final polling day is, you know, the day before the election, go ahead and lop that off by one third as well. Gary Johnson was polling at 5 percent on Election Day uh, in 2016, and he got 3.3%. Yeah. Uh, great perspective. Great insight, as always. Matt Welch, editor-at-large at Reason. Check out his piece at Reason.com. Matt, we look forward to having you back because this is a conversation that's not going away, and I always appreciate your perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you much. Appreciate it. All right. Again, that's uh, Matt Welch, editor-at-large at Reason. And this is really interesting to me. Will, in the end, everyone vote out of fear, or will they vote on a vision for freedom moving forward? We'll be right back.